Welcome everyone to episode 55 of Ohio Unsolved. I'm your host Matthew, and this is the Ohio Unsolved Christmas Special. Today's episode is all about the most famous still unsolved murder that took place on Christmas. I'm talking about the murder of John Benet Ramsey. So let's just get right into the episode. Everyone sit back, make sure to lock your doors and windows, and get ready for Ohio Unsolved. John Benet Ramsey was an American child beauty queen who was killed at the age of six inside of her family's home in Boulder, Colorado. A long, handwritten ransom note was found inside the home. Her father, John, found the girl's body in the basement of their home about seven hours after she had been reported missing. She had sustained a broken skull from a blow to the head and had been strangled. A garrote was found tied around her neck. The autopsy report stated that John Bonet's official cause of death was asphyxia by strangulation associated with craniocerebral trauma. Her death was ruled a homicide. The case generated worldwide public and media interest, in part because her mother, Patsy Ramsey, a former beauty queen, had entered John Bonet into a series of child beauty pageants. The crime is still considered a cold case and remains an open investigation with the Boulder Police Department. The Boulder Police initially suspected that the ransom note had been written by Patsy and that the note and appearance of John Bonet's body had been staged by her parents in order to cover up the murder. In 1998, the police and district attorney both said that John Bonet's brother, Burke, who was nine years old at the time of her death, was not a suspect. John Bonet's parents gave several televised interviews, but resisted police questioning except on their own terms. In October 2013, unsealed court documents revealed that a 1999 grand jury had recommended filing charges against the Ramseys for permitting the child to be in a threatening situation. John and Patsy were also accused of hindering the prosecution of an unidentified person who had, quote, committed 
the crime of murder in the first degree and child abuse resulting in death. However, the DA determined that there was inf insufficient evidence to pursue a successful indictment. In 2002, the DA's successor took over investigation of the case from the police and primarily pursued the theory that an intruder had committed the killing. In 2003, trace DNA that was taken from the victim's clothes was found to belong to an unknown male. Each of the family's DNA had been excluded from this match. The DA sent the Ramseys a letter of apology in 2008, declaring the family was completely cleared by the DNA results. Others, including former Boulder Police Chief Mark Beckner, disagreed with exonerating the Ramseys, characterizing the DNA as a small piece of evidence that was not proven to have any connection to the crime. In February 2009, the Boulder Police took the case back from the DA and reopened the investigation. National and international media coverage of the case focused on Jean Bonnet's brief beauty pageant career, as well as her parents' wealth and the unusual evidence found in the case. Media reports questioned how the police handled the investigation. John Bonnet Ramsey was born on August 6, 1990 in Atlanta, Georgia. She was the younger of two children of Patricia Ramsey and John ben Bennett Ramsey. She had an older brother named Burke. John Bonnet's first name combines her father's first and middle names and her mother's first name was used as her middle name. She was enrolled in kindergarten at High Peaks Elementary School in Boulder, Colorado. John Bonnet's body was found on December 26, 1996 in her family's Boulder residence. She was buried at St. James Episcopal Cemetery in Marietta, Georgia on December 31st. John Bonnet was interred next to her half-sister Elizabeth Ramsey, who had died in a car crash nearly five years earlier at the age of 22. John Ramsey was a businessman who was a president of Access Graphics, a computer software company that later became a subsidiary of Lockheed Martin. His first marriage ended in divorce in 1978. John's two surviving adult children, a son and daughter, lived elsewhere. In 1991, John had moved with Patsy, his second wife and family, to Boulder, where Access Graphics headquarters was located. Patsy, Patsy Ramsey would enter John Bonet in various child beauty pageants in Boulder, where she won the title of America's Royal Miss, Little Miss Charlevoix, Little Miss Colorado, Colorado State All-Star Kids Cover Girl, and National Tiny Miss Beauty. John Bonet's active role in child beauty pageants and Patsy's reported pageant mother behavior were reported by the media after the murder. In the summer of 1997, approximately six months after John Bonet's death, the Ramseys moved to a new home in Atlanta after a summer at their vacation retreat in Michigan. Patsy died of ovarian cancer at age 49 in 2006, and she was buried next to her daughter. 
according to statements that Patsy gave to authorities on December 26, 1996. She realized that her daughter was missing after she found a two-and-a-half-page handwritten ransom note on the kitchen staircase at the Ramsey's family residence. The note demanded $118,000. John pointed out to police, first on the scene, that the amount was nearly identical to his Christmas bonus of the prior year, which suggested that someone who would have access to that information would be involved in the crime. Investigators looked at several theories behind the dollar amount demanded, considering employees had access graphics who may have known of the amount of John's prior bonus. They also considered the possibility that the ransom demand was a reference to Psalm 118 and spoke to religious sources to determine possible relevance. The ransom note appears to echo film dialogue. The film's ransom Escape from New York, Speed, and Dirty Harry have all been used as sources. The ransom note was unusually long. The FBI told the police that it was very unusual for such a note to be written at the crime scene. The police believed that the note was staged because it did not have any fingerprints except for Patsy's and authorities who had handled it and because it included an unusual use of exclamation marks and initialisms. The note and a practice draft were written with a pen and notepad from the Ramsey home. According to a Colorado Bureau of Investigation report, there are indications that the author of the ransom note is Patricia Ramsey. However, the evidence fell short of a definitive conclusion. Michael Batten, a board-certified forensic pathologist who had consulted with both sides of the case, said that he never had seen a note like that in his 60-year experience, and that he did not think that it was written by an outside stranger. A federal court ruled it highly unlikely that Patsy wrote the note, citing six certified handwriting experts. The court bemoaned the existence of self-proclaimed experts without credentials, trying to enter the case by accusing Patsy without scientific basis. The ransom note reads as follows. Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your businesses, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed, and if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills, and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attached to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money, and hence an earlier pickup of your daughter. 
Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you do not provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police, FBI, etc., will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices, and if any are found, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned that we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't under underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It is up to you now, John. Victory. SBTC. The only people known to be in the house on the night of John Bonet's death were her immediate family, Patsy and John Ramsey, and their son, Burke. The ransom note contained specific instructions against contacting police and friends, but Patsy telephoned the police at 5.52 a.m. She also called family and friends. Two police officers responded to the 911 call and arrived at the Ramsey home within three minutes. They conducted a cursory search of the house, but did not find any sign of forced entry. Officer Rick French went to the basement and came to a door that was secured by a wooden latch. He paused for a moment in front of the door, but walked away without opening it. French later explained that he was looking for an exit route used by the kidnapper, which the, the closed inside peg ruled out. John Bonet's body was later found behind the door. With John Bonet still missing, John made arrangements to pay the ransom. A forensics team was dispatched to the house. The team initially believed that the child had been kidnapped, and John Bonet's bedroom was the only room in the house that was cordoned off to prevent contamination of evidence. No precautions were taken to prevent contamination of evidence in the rest of the house. Meanwhile, friends, victims, advocates, and the Ramsey family's minister arrived at the home to show support. Visitors picked up and cleaned surfaces in the kitchen, possibly destroying evidence. Boulder detective Linda Ardent arrived at about 8 a.m. in anticipation of receiving further instructions by the kidnappers, but there was never an attempt by anyone to claim the money. At 1 p.m., Detective Ardent asked John Ramsey and Fleet White, a family friend, to search the house to see if anything seemed amiss. They started their search in the basement. John opened the latched door, which Officer French had overlooked, and found his daughter's body in one of the rooms. John Bonet's mouth was covered with duct tape. A nylon cord was found wrapped around her wrists and neck and her torso was covered by a white blanket. John picked up the child's body and took it upstairs. 
When John Bonet moved, the crime scene was further contaminated, and critical forensic evidence was disturbed for the returning forensics team. Each of the Ramseys provided handwriting, blood, and hair samples to the police. John and Patsy participated in a preliminary interview for more than two hours, and Burke was also interviewed within the first couple of weeks following John Bonet's death. The autopsy revealed that John Bonet had been killed by strangulation and a skull fracture. The official cause of death was asphyxia by strangulation associated with craniocerebral trauma. There was no evidence of conventional rape, although sexual assault could not be ruled out. Although no semen was found, there was evidence that there had been vaginal injury. At the time of the autopsy, the pathologist recorded that it appeared her vaginal area had been wiped with a cloth. Her death was ruled a homicide. A garrote that was made from a length of nylon cord and the broken handle of a paintbrush was tied around John Bonet's neck and had apparently been used to strangle her. Part of the bristle end of the paintbrush was found in a tub containing Patsy's art supplies, but the bottom third of it was never found despite extensive searching of the house by the police in subsequent days. The autopsy revealed a vegetable or fruit material which may represent pineapple, which, which John Bonet had eaten only a few hours before her death. Photographs of the home taken on the day when John Bonet's body was found show a bowl of pineapple on the kitchen table with a spoon in it. However, neither John nor Patsy said that they remember putting the bowl on the table or feeding pineapple to her. Police reported that they found John Bonet's nine-year-old brother Burke Ramsey's fingerprints on the bowl. The Ramseys have always said that Burke slept through the entire night until he was awakened several hours after the police arrived. In December 2003, forensic investigators extracted enough material from a mixed blood sample found on John Bonet's underwear to establish a DNA profile. That DNA belonged to an unknown male person and excluded the DNA of each of the Ramseys. The DNA was submitted to the FBI's Combined DNA Index System, CODIS, a database containing more than 1.6 million DNA profiles. But the sample did not match any profile in the database. In October 2016, a report said that new forensic analysis with more sensitive techniques revealed that the original DNA contained genetic markers from two individuals other than John Bonet. A. James Kohler, who was a lead investigator for the DA's office, said that there were additional traces of male DNA found on the cord and paintbrush that Boulder District Attorney Mary Lacey did not mention, and there were six separate DNA samples belonging to unknown individuals that were found by the test. Former FBI profiler Candace DeLong believes that the DNA, having shown up identically in several different places on multiple surfaces, belongs to the killer. 
former Adams County, Colorado District Attorney Bob Grant, who has assisted the Boulder's DA, DA's office on the case for many years, also believes that the DNA evidence is significant, saying that any resolution of the case would have to explain how the DNA showed up on several pieces of John Bonet's clothing. Forensic pathologist Michael Batten said, Trace amounts of DNA can get on places and clothing from all different non-suspicious means. There is no forensic evidence to show that this is a stranger murder. Experts, media commentators, and the Ramses have identified potential suspects in the case. Boulder police initially focused almost exclusively upon John and Patsy, but by October 1997, had over 1,600 people in their index of persons of interest for the case. Errors that were made in the initial investigation complicated the resolution of the investigation and applicable theory. Those errors included loss and contamination of evidence, lack of experienced and technical staff on the investigation, evidence shared with the Ramses, and delayed informal interviews with the parents. Lou Smith was a detective who came out of retirement in early 1997 to assist the Boulder County District Attorney's Office with the case. In May 1998, he presented his findings to the Boulder Police with other staff members of the DA's office, concluding that the evidence pointed away from the Ramseys. They were unable to successfully challenge the police department's belief that the Ramseys were guilty. The DA's office sought to take control of the investigation due to the animosity between the police and the DA's office and the pressure to obtain a conviction. Colorado Governor Roy Romer interceded and named Michael Kane a special prosecutor to initiate a grand jury. Two of the lead investigators in the case had opposing views. Both Lou Smith and Steve Thomas ultimately resigned. Smith because he believed that the investigation had incompetently overlooked the intruder hypothesis, and Thomas because the DA's office had interfered with and failed to support the police investigation of the case. A grand jury was convened beginning September 15, 1998, to consider indicting the Ramses for charges relating to the case. In 1999, the grand jury returned a true bill to charge the Ramses with placing the child at risk in a way that led to her death, and with obstructing an investigation of murder, based on the probable cause standard applied in such grand jury proceedings. But Boulder County District Attorney Alex Hunter did not prosecute them, because he did not believe that he could meet the higher standard of, of proving guilt beyond a reasonable doubt that is required for a criminal conviction. Mary Lacey, the next Boulder County District Attorney, took over the investigation from the police on December 26, 2002. In April of 2003, she agreed with a federal judge who sat on a 2002 liable case that evidence in the suit is more consistent with a theory that an intruder murdered John Bonet than it was with a theory that Mrs. Ramsey did. On July 9, 2008, 
the Boulder District Attorney's Office announced that, as a result of newly developed DNA sampling and testing techniques, the Ramsey family members were excluded as suspects in the case. Lacey publicly exonerated the Ramseys. On February 2, 2009, Boulder Police Chief Mark Beckner announced that Stan Garnett, the new Boulder County District Attorney, was turning the case over to his agency and that his team would resume investigating it. Garnett found that the statute of limitations for the crimes identified in the 1999 grand jury true bill had expired and did not pursue review of the case against the Ramseys. In October 2010, the Boulder police reopened the cold case. New interviews were conducted following a fresh inquiry by a committee that included state and federal investigators. Police were expected to use the latest DNA technology in their investigation. There was no new information gleaned from these interviews, but it was reported in September of 2016 that the investigation into John Bonet's death continues to be an active homicide case, per Boulder Police Chief Greg Testa. In 2015, Beckner disagreed with exonerating the Ramseys, stating, Exonerating anyone based on a small piece of evidence that has not yet been proved to even be connected to the crime is absurd. He also stated that the unknown DNA from John Bonet's clothing has got to be the focus of the investigation. At this point in time, and that until one can prove otherwise, the suspect is the donator of that unknown DNA. In 2016, Gordon Combs, a former investigator for the Boulder County District Attorney's Office, also questioned total absolution of the Ramseys, stating, We all shed DNA all the time within our skin cells. It can be deposited anywhere at any time for various reasons, reasons that are benign. To clear somebody just on the premise of touch DNA, especially when you have a situation where the crime scene wasn't secure at the beginning, really is a stretch. Stephen Pitt, a forensic psychiatrist hired by Boulder authorities said, Lacey's public exoneration of the Ramseys was a big slap in the face to Chief Beckner and the core group of detectives who had been working on the case for years. There are two theories about the death of John Bonet. One is that a family member theory. Boulder police initially concentrated almost exclusively upon the parents. John and Patsy Ramsey. According to Greg McCary, a retired profiler with it with the FBI. Statistically, it is a 12 to 1 probability that it's a family member or caregiver who is involved in the homicide of a child. The police saw no evidence of forced entry, but they did see evidence of staging of the scene, such as the ransom note. They did not find the Ramseys cooperative in helping them solve the death of their daughter. The Ramseys had said that their reluctance was due to their fear that there would not be a full investigation for intruders and that they would be hastily selected as the key suspects in the case. One theory is that Patsy struck John Bonet 
in a fit of rage after a bedwetting episode and strangled her to cover up what had happened after mistakenly thinking she was already dead. Patsy did not have a known history of uncontrolled anger, John Benet's brother later said. We didn't get spanked, nothing of the sort, nothing close, nothing near laying a finger on us, let alone killing your child. Theoretically, the strangulation could have been a quote, red herring aspect to conceal other elements of the assault and killing. Burke, who was nine years old at the time of John Bonet's death, was interviewed by investigators at least three times. The first two interviews did not raise any concerns about him. A review by a child psychologist stated that it appeared that the Ramseys had healthy, caring family relationships. In 1998, Boulder Police Chief Mark Beckner said during an interview with a news reporter that Burke Ramsey was not involved in the killing of his sister. In May 1999, the Boulder County District Attorney's Office reiterated that Burke Ramsey was not a suspect. The investigators had never considered him a suspect. The Ramseys offered a $100,000 reward in a newspaper ad dated April 27, 1997. Three days later, more than four months after the body of their daughter was found, they submitted for the first time to separate formal interviews at the Boulder County Justice Center. In 1999, Colorado Governor Bill Owens spoke out, telling the Ramsey couple to, quote, quit hiding behind their attorneys, quit hiding behind their PR firm. A Colorado Grand Jersey jury voted in 1999 to indict the parents. The indictment cited two counts each of child abuse and said that the parents did unlawfully, knowingly, recklessly, and feloniously permit a child to be unreasonably placed in a situation that posed a threat of injury to the child's life or health, which resulted in the death of John Bonet Ramsey, a child under the age of 16. Among the experts who testified in the case were DNA specialist Barry Schneck and forensic expert Henry Lee. On October 13, 1999, Alex Hunter, who was the district attorney at the time, refused to sign the indictment, saying that the evidence was insufficient for prosecution. The public thought that the grand jury investigation had been inconclusive. In 2002, the statute of limitations on the grand jury's charges expired. The grand jury's vote to indict was not revealed publicly until October 25, 2013, when previously sealed court documents were released. The case of John Bonet Ramsey, a show broadcast on CBS on September 18th and 19th, 2016, used a group of experts to evaluate the evidence. The group theorized that Burke hit his sister in the head with a heavy object, possibly a flashlight, after she stole a piece of pineapple from his bowl, perhaps not intending to kill her. They suggested that the ransom letter was an attempt to cover up the circumstances of John Bonet's death. On behalf of Burke Ramsey, his counsel filed defamation lawsuits against CBS, the producers of the program, and several of its participants, based on many of its claims.
The second theory is the intruder theory. The police and the prosecutors followed leads for intruders partly due to the unidentified boot mark left in the basement room where John Bonet's body was found. Early persons of interest included neighbor Bill McReynolds, who played Santa Claus, Chris Wolfe, a local reporter whose then-girlfriend reported him as a suspect, family housekeeper Linda Hoffman Pugh, and a man named Michael Helgoth who died in an apparent suicide shortly after John Bonet's death. Hundreds of DNA tests were performed to find a match to the DNA recovered during her autopsy. In a 2003 defamation lawsuit related to the case of Wolfie Ramsey, involving the Ramseys publicly identifying an early suspect in the case, Judge Julie Carnes wrote, there is virtually no evidence to support plaintiffs Wolf's theory that the Ramseys murdered their child, but abundant evidence to support the Ramseys' belief that an intruder entered their home at some point during the night of December 25, 1996 and killed their daughter. Lou Smith, a detective in the case, assessed the evidence and concluded that an intruder had committed the crime. On the night John Bonet was killed, there had been two windows that were left slightly open to allow for electrical cords for the outside Christmas lights to pass through, a broken basement window, and one unlocked door. Smith's theory was that someone entered the Ramsey home through the broken basement window. Critics have questioned this theory because there was an intact cobweb in the basement window. The steel grate that covered the window also had undisturbed cobwebs, and the foliage around the grate had been undisturbed. There were also cobwebs in the tracks of various windows, and dust and debris were on some windowsills. Smith believed that the intruder subdued John Bonet using a stun gun and took her down to the basement. John Bonet was killed, and a ransom note was left. Smith's theory was supported by former FBI agent John Douglas, who had been hired by the Ramsey family. Believing that the Ramseys were innocent, Smith resigned from the investigation on September 20, 1998, five days after the grand jury was convened against the Ramseys. While no longer an official official investigator on the case, Smith continued to work on it until his death in 2010. Author Stephen Singular in his book, Presumed Guilty, refers to consultations with cybercrime specialists to argue John Bonet attracted the attention of child pornographers and pedophiles affiliated with the child pageant scene. Singular further believes the investigation was overly focused on the Ramsey parents, hampering investigation into alternate scenarios, and the Ramseys were not responsible for the murder other than perhaps unwittingly exposing their daughter to sexual predators. Singular speculates this scenario explains why the grand jury did not recommend indicting the Ramsey parents for murder, but for child abuse or endangerment for placing their daughter in a risky situation. It was determined that there had been more than 100 burg burglaries in the Ramsey's neighborhood in the months before John Bonet's murder. 
there were 38 registered sex offenders living within a two-mile radius of the Ramsey home. In 2001, former Boulder County Prosecutor Tripp DeMuth and Boulder County Sheriff's Detective Steve Ainsworth stated that there should be a more aggressive investigation of the intruder theory. One of the individuals whom Smith identified as a suspect was Gary Howard Olivia, who was arrested for two counts of attempted sexual exploitation of a child and one count of sexual exploitation of a child. Charges in June 2016, according to Boulder's Daily Camera, Olivia, a registered sex offender, was publicly identified as a suspect in an October 2002 episode of 48 Hours Investigates. The Killing of John Bonet, The Truth Uncovered, broadcast by A&E on September 5, 2016, concluded that an unidentified male was responsible for John Bonet's death. Based on forensic DNA analysis of evidence, in the documentary, DNA and forensic scientist expert Lawrence Kobanilski stated that an unidentified male committed this crime. The district attorney's office investigating pedophiles indicated to former Denver prosecutor Craig Silverman that the district attorney's office followed the intruder theory. The Ramseys developed a relationship with district attorney Mary Lacey and her office which was criticized by authorities such as the city's mayor, Leslie Durgan Silverman. Once you have conceded the possibility of an intruder, I don't see how any Ramsey could ever be successfully prosecuted. Gordon Coombs joined the office as an investigator under Lacey when they were testing John Bonet's clothing for touch DNA. He also said that Lacey strongly supported the intruder theory and talked about it with the staff. Although he was not directly involved with the case, he said he was told not to voice opposition to the theory because he might lose his job. It just seemed weird, the whole premise of this attempt to influence the entire agency, he stated. Alexis Valorin Reach, then known as John Mark Carr, was arrested in Bangkok, Thailand on August 15, 2006, following a false confession to murdering John Bonet. Reach, a 41-year-old schoolteacher, claimed she had drugged, sexually assaulted, and accidentally killed John Bonet. According to CNN, authorities also said that they did not find any evidence linking them to the crime scene. In the confession, Reach had provided only basic facts that were publicly known and failed to provide any additional convincing details. The claim that John Bonet was drugged further cast doubt on the confession because the autopsy indicated no drugs were found in her body. Furthermore, Reach's DNA did not match DNA found on John Bonet's body. On October 26, 2006, Reach sent an email to Bill Hammonds of Bill's List seeking a literary agent to help publish a manuscript that some might find controversial. Reach later sent emails under numerous pen names, including Daxus the Conqueror, Dark Prince, and Alexis, 
Reach later changed her legal name from John Mark Carr to Alexis Ballerin Reach, according to a Washington state driver's license, after coming out as transgender. Samantha Spiegel, who gained a re restraining order from Reach, alleged that she only intended to undergo gender reassignment surgery to get closer to younger girls and a child sex cult called the Immaculates. It's amazing to me that for as long as this case has been open and in the public eye, that not one person has been able to find the real killer. Was it her parents, or was it an intruder that came into the home with ill intent? Sadly, we may never know who robbed this poor little girl of a full life. Someone out there does know the truth, and hopefully one day, they will say what they know so that the real killer may finally see justice. Well, that is going to do it for today's episode. Please rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. A five-star rating really helps others find us. Make sure that you join us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. If you do enjoy the show, please consider helping to support us by joining on Patreon with monthly bonus episodes becoming available from the $5 tier. This month's bonus episode will be up next Friday. Once again, thank you everyone for listening, and have a Merry Christmas. If you're listening today, this is December 23rd, day before Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas, everybody, and happy holidays. And make sure to keep those doors and windows locked. And stay ready for Ohio Unsolved. <laughs>